Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Mark Stachowski Podcast, the show that's all about helping you perform at an optimum level. I am Mr. Productivity, and it is my obsession in life to teach you how to be productive in our distracted world. And one of the ways I do that is by inviting you to sign up for my free seven-day productivity challenge. Give me two minutes a day for a week, and I will teach you strategies on how you can be more productive. You can get on the seven-day productivity challenge just by going to my website, mrproductivity.com. Mr. is all spelled out at mrproductivity.com, right top front center of the page there. It says, join the seven-day productivity challenge. Today, Joel Hallbacker is on the show. This is an episode, folks, that you are not going to want to listen to on any speed other than 1X because Joel and I are both full of energy and a lot of passion, and we talk fast. So we're going to talk a lot about technology, education, and our world. It's a great conversation. So sit back and enjoy. Joel, what is up? Good afternoon. How are you, sir? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Loving the beautiful weather and excited at the uh, the time of the year that it is while we're recording. This is good stuff. Yes, we were talking before I hit record. I should start hitting record earlier because we had a really great conversation before I hit record, <laughs> but we didn't record it. So the listener just has to take our word for it. We were so talking about, it. It, was yeah, awesome. it was awesome. We were talking about weather and how I used to live in <laughs> Rochester, New York until 1997, moved down to Houston. And so when it's like four degrees up there and I'm like, oh gosh, it's 75 and sunny down here what's the problem <laughs> so yeah real world problems and then we talked about you know back in our days google was a card catalog with the dewey decimal system <laughs> now the kids go to wikipedia and google and you know it's they're not using their brains anymore but that's not the scope of the podcast so we were just you know <laughs> razzing on kids and and so i th- you know sometimes joel when i talk about you know one of the things i tell people to do is to write down things they do during the day and i, I have to say mm-hmm. if you're young audience go google what a pad and paper is because they that's may right. not they may not know a pen that's right pen what's a pen i, I don't know what a pen is so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i totally understand i spend a lot of my day teaching Uh, high school kids, mostly freshmen and sophomores. And it's a constant struggle between wanting to meet them where they are, but then also drag them to where I know they can be. (laughs) Uh, Whether it has to do with technology or reading books or writing things down or whatever. Uh, But, you know, it's it's a lot of fun because it presents a lot of unique challenges. Um, It's interesting, too, because even this is my 14th year teaching and kids today, very different than kids were when I started teaching, um, you know, many, many years ago. Uh, because the technology is different. You know, when I, when I started teaching, the internet was still pretty brand new. Kids didn't have cell phones. You know, a tablet meant the thing that you wrote on that sat next to your phone. <laughs> Just yep. very different kind of a thing. And so it's, it's caused me to have to grow as a teacher, which I'm really grateful for. But it's certainly different. Yeah. Something that my teacher never told me to do in school, get off your cell phone. Never happened. That's right. Never. <laughs> yeah. When I started teaching, the biggest problem I had was kids passing paper notes that said check yes or no. Yeah, <laughs> like that, that was the big. I had paper footballs flying around the classroom. That was the issue that I had. Wow. Now it's uh, I've got to take up cell phones. I've got to get kids to take off their Apple watches before we take tests. Just it's hard to explain to them that what they take for granted was science fiction 15 years ago. Yeah, that's amazing. This technology Isn't is that so incredible. New. And I was oh, talking man. to someone not too long ago. I said, "What's amazing is all you know. Some schools are banning cell phones now, and yep. people are losing I wish their I would minds." Love to do, by the way, I think it's a great idea. And here's my thing: is you know. 
people go, you know, I need to get hold of my kid. Back in the day, my mom used to call the office. That's right. They would have a, a student aide go down to the, the classroom I was yep. in, and I'd walk yep. down the classroom. Now, apparently, the kids can't do that anymore. They can't walk. So they that's, that's exactly. I, look, I had a parent actually have that argument with me on Facebook. It's a, it's a lady that I've known for years. It's not a parent of a kid that I teach. But I, I posted an article on Facebook, and that's exactly what it was about. It was about this uh, school. I forget where. It's maybe in France or England somewhere. They had banned cell phones, all cell phones. Don't bring him in the door. If you if we see them, we're taking it away. Your mom has to come pick it up in like three days and get it back, whatever it was. I said, this is a great idea. I would love this idea. Um, and, you know, and a lot of people commented on it. Yes, this would be great, especially educators. Yes, this would be great. And then one mom commented on there, well, sometimes I need to get a hold of my son and he forgets stuff at home. And I no, you are part of the problem. <laughs> because if he forgets stuff at home, you know what he has to do? He has to live with the consequences just like the rest of us. That's what he should have to do. Yep. You're, in, you're enabling him. I know you mean well and you love your son and I respect you for that, but you're not actually helping him in the long run. If you really need to get a hold of him, Call the office. I promise they have a phone. It's got a cord. It's attached to the desk. They will let your son – look, you survived school without a cell phone, correct? Yep. Yeah, because they didn't exist yet, which means, which means your kid can too. Yep. And uh, I, I get – I hate to say it, I get a little worked up about that topic because technology in the classroom is such a buzzword in education, and I understand why, and I think that's important to a degree. But the problem is when you become so dependent on the technology that the actual learning – become secondary. That I believe is a big problem. And for a lot of high school and, and even middle and elementary school students, they're much more interested in playing on the technology than using the technology as a tool to learn. Technology shouldn't be an end in and of itself. And for a lot of people it is. And that just, that drives me a little bit crazy. Well, so technology. For, any, for yeah. anybody who I just offended, I apologize, but I really do feel strongly about that. Oh, don't apologize because I think technology is a blessing and a curse. I, I do That's not right. like when I go to a grocery store and you you put your groceries on the belt there and they're on their phone texting. I'm like, no, you're being right. paid right. to serve me as the paying yeah. customer that pays your salary. And so right. I think there's a time and place for it. But getting back to this mom, uh, what yeah. is that important? Okay, here's the thing. If I forgot my lunch, I would have to have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and milk. That was right. my consequence. Right. I forgot You'll be a little hungry. Yeah. Yep. But you know what? I you know what? Your kid doesn't eat during the day. He's not going to die. Okay. That's right. He's you're, not going to starve to death in that one day. He's probably got friends that'll give him some of their food. Like he'll be okay, and he'll learn to remember his lunch tomorrow. Yeah. Well, I think we live in an instant gratification society. It used to be if something happened in the world, you had to wait to the evening news or the evening paper. Now, <laughs> right. if something happens, if they're shooting over in France, Paris, France, you want to know it within 30 seconds on Twitter and Facebook mm -hmm. and Snapchat. And it's like, why? I mean, what yeah. is that important that we need to know immediately? Right. Yeah. And that's the thing is you're exactly right. It's a blessing and a curse because sometimes it's helpful to just have a general knowledge of what's going on. And those are good things and they're great legitimate uses for technology. And that's, the, again, those are positives. Um, but I actually wrote a blog post about this a couple of years ago that Bob Berg was kind enough to comment on. If, if you guys are, uh, some of your listeners are familiar with him. It's one of the co-authors of uh, the Go-Giver series of, yes. of business parables. Uh, I wrote this blog post. It was called The Illusion of Enlightenment, The Danger of Thinking We Know More Than We Do. And that was the whole topic of it. I actually wrote a chapter of my book about that as well. And it's about how because of the technology that we have, we have this impression that we know a lot more than we actually know because we confuse access to the information with knowledge or wisdom. Because kids think, why do I need to learn this? I can just Google it. Why do I need to understand how this works? I can just use the calculator. Why do I need to remember this? I can just look it up on my phone. 
And it's like, no, no, you don't understand. You need to know this without having to check your phone. Because the other part of it is you don't know if you can trust what you're finding on your phone. And the only way you can learn how to trust it or not trust it is by understanding it more completely. And you can't get that from Wikipedia. Now, and so what, that's a, what, that's a what big grade part do you of the te- issue. What grade and subject do you teach? Um, I teach mostly history and Bible. And uh, I've taught everything that can be taught. I've taught English, science, math, history, PE, Bible, study skills. And I've taught every grade 5 through 12. But okay. most of my teaching career is high school history and Bible. That's okay. what I teach now. And um, that's what my training was in. That's what my degree is in. Uh, I studied at uh, a Covenant College in Lookout Mountain, Georgia. And also, I, I was blessed to have a scholarship there um, where I got to study at New College Oxford in the UK for a semester. Wow. Um, it's a really neat thing to study medieval civ and then walk outside and look at it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, we don't have castles and we don't have city walls from a thousand years ago in Alabama for us to go and take a look at. Uh, and so that was a really, I, was, I feel very blessed to have had that opportunity because it just changes the way that you're able to study. And, uh, and so that was pretty cool. And so, uh, you know, that's my, my kids get sick of hearing it. My students get sick of hearing it, but anytime they complain and say, well, everybody has this thing or well, everyone's always, uh, no, no, no. For 5,000 years of human history, people survive without smartphones. You know what you can do? You can survive 45 minutes of class without a smartphone. <laughs> I love You'll be that. just fine. I promise that you can. I know you think you can't but I promise that you can. Yeah. And, uh, and again, the thing is, this generation has such amazing potential to be incredible. I, I know a lot of people bash young kids, and, and to be fair, I do too in my classroom. I constantly make freshman jokes because freshmen, um, you know, but um, they also have tremendous potential for good. They have tremendous potential for doing amazing things because they feel so strongly and they have a desire to be connected with each other. And so I really do believe that with, um, some guidance and with a little bit of humility on the part of the young people doing the learning and people like me who are doing the teaching. Um, I really feel like this generation can be absolutely world changing if they will, if they will listen to some of the wisdom that they seem to want to just dismiss. Does that make sense? It, it does. And when you were talking about, you know, you have to learn the subject so you know the subject. The, the thought that popped in my mind, Joel, was theorems in, I don't know, it was geometry or trigonometry. Yeah, yep. And I'm yeah, like, both. you have to prove the theorem. I'm like, did the guy get it wrong? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, right. still, like, does he not, does I need to, do I need to check his work? And so I right. never understood why we had to prove the theorem. I mean, I understand right. now, but back right. then I'm like, if it's already been proven, why do I have to prove it again? <laughs> right. Yeah, and, and, and that's, a, that's a great example because that's one of the issues I get from my students all the time. That, you know, the, the very first question that I get in history class every single year, every semester is, why do we have to learn this? No one's ever going to ask me in a job interview who the 16th president was. No one's going to ask me about the War of 1812 or the Civil War or the Truman Doctrine or any of the, why do I have to care? And I said, stop. Because your question just revealed a misunderstanding. If you think the point of your education is just to get you a good job, you are living in the early 20th century. You're living in early industrial revolution era when that was the point of education was just to get you a good factory job. That is no longer the point of education. The point of education is much more what it was during the Renaissance when, re- when education was just reserved for the people who could afford it. Now, thankfully, that's not the case. But the point of education is to make you into a better person. It's to make you into a well-rounded, well-informed, thinking, reasoning human being. So you're right. No one's ever going to ask you about the Truman Doctrine in a job interview. And if they do, they're probably just yanking your chain. <laughs> but 
if you understand the ideas of cause and effect, if you can understand the reason why events happen and you can learn lessons from that, now you're becoming a much better and reasoning human being. That's the point of your education. Are, are you a reader, I, Joel? I am. I love reading. What, uh, what are some of the books that you've read recently that you recommend that anyone reads? Um, wow, that's, ooh, that's a great one. So the, anytime someone says, what books do you recommend? I always start with Lord of the Rings because I'm a giant Tolkien nerd. Okay. <laughs> Just because. Um, after that, I go with Chronicles of Narnia because I'm also a C.S. Lewis fan. If you're looking for more uh, contemporary stuff, in our, in our conversation before we came on, I recently read The Go-Giver by Bob Berg. It's an incredible, uh, it's a great book about, it's kind of a business parable. I strongly recommend it. It's Bob Berg and John David Mann. They co-wrote that book and it was excellent. Uh, I'm actually looking at my bookshelf as we're talking. And I'm going, man, I don't even know where to start. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm currently, uh, I just actually, I'm currently reading a biography of Cleopatra, which is interesting. Um, I just finished a book called The City of Falling Angels by John Barrett. It's about um, uh, Venice and the fire that they had there. Um, back in the, I believe it was during the 90s, and uh, the, re- the, the sort of the renovation of this giant theater where this big fire occurred. Um, and it's, you know, very different. But I read a lot of different stuff. I read history. I read uh, current events. I read, uh, you know, Tolkien and Lewis and that sort of thing. I read books about professional speaking. I read books about education. Um, and I love it because they all teach you something different. They all have a different tone. They all have a different message. And, uh, and so, um, you know, I, uh, one of the other books I recommend is John Wooden. It's a, a series of stories by former UCLA basketball coach, John Wooden. Uh, my dad gave me a copy of that book when I turned 15 and I've still got it 22 years later and it's underlined and it's highlighted. It's got notes written in it. Cause I've read it probably half a dozen times. Mm. Um, the reason so why, I, the reason why I ask you is I'm, I'm a big fan of reading and okay. you know, I try to read as much as I can. Right. And when I found that high performers like Mark Cuban and mm-hmm. you know, Brandon Burchard and Tony Robbins and all these mm-hmm. high performers read a lot, I right. said, huh, they read a lot on purpose every day That's and right. they're very wealthy. They're very successful. So I make sure I read at least 60 minutes a day. Now, here's the thing. Awesome. You, you got to make time for it. You, you can't you read like 30 seconds here, two minutes here. So instead of spending right. time consuming social media, Right. What I'm doing is I'm like reading, like right now, I don't remember all the books I'm reading. I'm reading one book is called the, um, the, in, in, in defense of food by, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Michael Pollan, uh, because I've gone vegetarian recently. Um, okay. I, I'm also reading a couple, you know, I read my Bible every day. I read a devotion right. every day. I'm reading, rereading thinking or rich for like the 10th time. Uh, yep. I'm reading, yep. uh, becoming Steve Jobs, which is a fascinating story about hmm. how he became Steve Jobs. And I'm okay. also reading the lean startup by, uh, Eric Rice. So I, okay. I love reading like you and I were talking about before we started mm-hmm. recording that we wish we could, uh, someone could pay us a million dollars a year and all we had to do is read the, read books. Uh, we, we pay, right. We'd buy the books. Just, you know, we haven't found that job yet. So listener, if you have that, an insight that let us know, we'd be very interested in it because I love reading. And I, and I think people who are really wealthy and very, not just financially, but in their mind, they are very well-rounded. And, you know, Mark Cuban talked about once that, one of the things he does is like he wanted to learn machine language because artificial intelligence, machine language is our future. And he goes, I could either like pretend it doesn't exist or I can learn about it. And so he got books and started reading it. And I think we need if you're if you want to know something like Cleopatra, go read a book. You're probably going to learn things you didn't learn in school. Just read it. You don't have to take a test. That's a bonus. No test, no exam. You just read it for enjoyment. And I find that I'm learning so much because I read so much. 
Absolutely. Yeah. um, There's a great quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, my own eyes are not enough for me. I will see through those of others. Mm. Uh, Lewis had a reputation of being a voracious reader and of remembering everything that he read. And I think that's uh, exactly what you were talking about there, where part of the reason that those guys are so successful is because they spend so much time learning about whether it's their own industry or things that they can learn that they can apply in their industry from people who you wouldn't think they had anything in common with. Um, and it's because they're seeing through other people's eyes by reading lots of books. Um, one of the best books I've read in the past few years uh, is called Under Our Skin by Ben Watson. Uh, it's about race relations in America. It was really, really eye-opening. It's really good. Uh, ben Watson is an outspoken Christian, and he's also a uh, you know he's a professional football player. Um, and that book was just, I mean, it was really, really good. It was challenging. It was encouraging. It was informative. And again, it was the same sort of thing where I don't know his life experience. I've never been black. I've never been a professional athlete. Um, and so to read something from a very different perspective than my own was very eye-opening. It's the sort of thing that causes a person to grow. Well, the same thing is true. That's part of the reason I love reading and studying history is because it allows you to overcome what C.S. Lewis calls chronological snobbery. This idea that anything new is automatically better than anything old, or the idea that because I'm living now and we have better technology, we are just better people than what used to exist in the past. See, by, by reading and studying history, we realize actually we're not any better than people were in the past. If, if anything, we're just better at being bad. Right. <laughs> yes. I mean, because like we mentioned earlier, the technology is a blessing and a curse. In some ways, it allows us to do things like what we're doing right now. We can be on a podcast. We can be talking with each other from Alabama to, to Texas. And that's awesome. On the other hand, it also enables us to waste hours and hours and hours a day consuming social media. I, I've got a student. We were talking about this in my Bible class the other day. And we were talking about the little app you can get on your phone that shows you how much screen time you have. And he came in on Monday and he said, coach, I did what you said. And I checked out my screen time Monday morning based on the weekend. He said, over the weekend, I spent 18 hours on my phone. And I just stopped and I thought, you've got to be kidding me. 18 hours from the kid who's telling me he didn't have time to write a two paragraph essay. (laughs) Buddy. Yeah, I, I, come on now. I know that you can. That's why I say they have such potential for for doing amazing things. But it's going to take a little bit of guidance. It's going to take a little bit of uh, a little bit of learning. Yeah, and you know, it's amazing to me. Is you know, I, I talk about my wife quite frequently on the show because I'm Mister Productivity and she's Mrs. Anti Productivity. We will sit down and watch TV at night. And the joke in our house is, what do you want to listen to on TV tonight? Because she's playing her game on her iPad or iPhone. And mm-hmm. I, and when I watch TV, I, 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 one of my favorite books of all time is A Deep Work by Kel Newport. And what I try to do is I'm watching TV. I'm watching TV, whether it's a right. ball game, whether it's one of these right. silly documentaries we'd like to watch, whatever the case may be. But I'm not on my phone. I'm like right. watching TV. And people go, well, what's the harm being on social media? I said, why can't you just watch the TV? Why do you have to be serving Facebook while you're watching TV? Why don't you just enjoy the program? Because I find out one thing. You find out more about a show, Joel, when you're actually watching the screen. Because sometimes they'll say three years later. And I have to stop and say, "Uh, honey, it said three years later. Because then she'll look up and go, what happened? So, you know. I think you have to be present. I think so many people are not present in the moment. They're in their screens. They're not right. living in the moment. They're not correct. They're, someone's right in front of them, but they're on their phone. Like I'm talking to you right now. I'm not on my, I'm not, I'm, I mean, I'm in front of me. I have my MacBook Air and my iMac. So I have the notes for the, the call today, but I'm not on my phone surfing Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn. I'm talking right. to you. And so many right. people 
they're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And they're, they're on their phones. And so I tell people, when you go out to lunch with somebody, don't be on your phone. That's rude. Right. They're yeah. right. They're right in front of you. Have a right. conversation with them. But so many people, they're so addicted. And you, you brought up screen time. The numbers don't lie. Look at your screen right. time. If you have an iOS device, if you have an Android, you can download. I'm sure there's apps on the Android uh, Google Play Store. Download an app and see the truth of where you're spending your time. You're going to be shocked because we tell ourselves stories. Oh, I'm, I'm not on the phone that much. Okay, show me the data. Right. Show me the right. data. And I and people are scared because they don't want to look at that because they That's know. Right. They don't what, actually want to risk looking and seeing what it actually says. Exactly. I mean, I look in there like last week. I looked at my screen time for a week and I was on LinkedIn for an hour and a half for the whole week. I was on Facebook for 30 minutes the whole week. And now keep in mind, the one thing the screen time can't tell is if you're consuming or posting. So it's it's that. So I spend the vast majority of my time posting on internet, posting value on social media. And so it can't distinguish that. But I know people, like you said, 20, 30, 40, 50 hours a week on one platform, plus the other platform, plus text messaging, plus WhatsApp, plus YouTube. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's like, you have plenty of time. You're just wasting the time doing stuff that's not going to accomplish anything for you. Right. And that's the thing is, um, that's the big sticking point. It's not that technology is bad. It's not that social media in and of itself is bad. It's that we become, and I say we, cause I've been guilty of it too. We become so unknowingly addicted to it that we spend a lot more time on it. And then we wonder why we don't have enough time to accomplish the things that we were supposed to, or that we wanted to. Uh, there's a guy who actually wrote an article back in 2008 that speaks to exactly what you were talking about. The man's name is Mark Edmondson. He's a, a college professor, and he wrote an article called Dwelling in Possibilities. And it's all about the um, students then, and now it's even worse, about how they do exactly what you said. They go to a party, but nobody at the party is talking with each other. They're all on their phones <laughs> trying to see if there's a better party they should be at. Or they're watching TV while they're on their phones, while they're also sitting with a laptop in front of them. Or what, and it's, it is... Um, it's difficult to build good relationships that way. And that's why you see statistic after statistic showing that even though kids have more access to social media, they're more connected online than ever. They're more disconnected. They're more um, socially uh, disconnected. They're more likely to be depressed or socially anxious than ever before because they don't know how to have face-to-face interactions as well as they should. And it's more than anything else, it's sad and it's scary because what we want is we want kids to form deep relationships but just like you said, you can't form deep relationships with someone when you go to dinner if you're both on your phones the whole time. And so, but the other part is people get really defensive. And so you have to be careful how you go about trying to encourage different habits um, because uh, people don't want to listen in terms of, uh, you know, I get, I can speak for myself. I know that I don't like it when I'm in the wrong and people let me know that I'm in the wrong. You know what I mean? Everybody gets naturally defensive that way. And it's something that we have to be aware of. Uh, in terms of uh, having enough humility to say, no, you know what? You're right. I was on my phone a lot more than I should have been. I need to just put it down. I've started doing that when I come home a lot of days. I'll put my phone back in the bedroom because otherwise I'll check it and I'll check it more often than I realize instead of spending time with my wife, instead of spending time with my daughters, instead of spending, uh, instead of spending time researching uh, speaking opportunities or whatever it may be, I'm, I'm, you know, checking my phone and posting on Facebook and reading an article about uh, whether Manchester United won a soccer game or not, or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, that's like you mentioned, it's not actually doing me any good in the long run. And so we have to be careful how we go about that. But it is, it is something that we all need to be aware of because it takes a drastic toll on our productivity. Uh, a lady named Neen James wrote a book about this last year. I believe it was called Pay Attention. 
Yep, she was on my show of, once. But she really isn't yeah. Neen awesome. She is. What's funny about Neen is before we started recording, I said, "Can I address the elephant in, your room, in the room?" She goes, "Yes." I, I sound like a five year old Minnie Mouse, and so we addressed it. <laughs> yeah, awesome, I've heard her say that on other interviews. <laughs> awesome, awesome gal, and it, yeah, very interesting awesome. because our attention. Look, everyone has twenty four hours in a day. That's right. What? Do you, where's your attention going? And that's what the whole thing that she teaches on. That's right. Yeah, she. Um, I've heard her interviewed on shows with uh, Michael Port and a couple of other places. And she, yeah, she always says something about. It. She's like, I know that I sound like a cartoon character, and that's okay. <laughs> and but she is. She's one. She's been uh, incredibly gracious. She. Uh, yeah, I've interacted with her some on social media and stuff. Uh, but you're exactly right. That's what she teaches is this idea that we all have the same amount of time. It is a question of what you are doing with your time and how focused are you on that task. Because that's the other thing we do is if we don't uh, if we don't focus on what we're doing, we lose track of time being distracted by things that aren't focused on what we're trying to accomplish, and then we wonder why we're not getting anything done. And, and I and, tell uh, people, you know, yeah. I, I I agree with Gary Vaynerchuk says if you want to spend all day on you know your social media platforms, just consuming social media, and all you want to do is make ten bucks an hour at McDonald's, if that makes you happy. Mazel tov. Do it. That's right. Have but, a great time. But don't complain you're spending all this time on social media and you, your grades at school suck or your right. your job sucks because that's within your control. If you're over a certain age, 17, 18, 19, whatever, you have to practice this thing called adulting. Okay? That's right. My I control my iPhone. I control my Apple Watch. It doesn't control me. So like on this podcast interview, it's muted face down. And right. I don't know if I get a call or something like that. So you gotta, you, you have to realize, listener, you are in control of the technology. If you delete Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg is not going to come to your house. So you need to turn off notifications for social media and for email and all these other apps you have on and just get back control of your technology. You are the boss. Your phone is not going to say no if you turn it off. Okay. It, you have to be the boss. I see so many people saying, well, I, I can't help it. When you have a problem, and I, I, I do tell my clients, if you're that addicted, you need to log out of your accounts. You need to have someone else change your password and delete the app until you can become a big boy or big girl. Now, that's right. a drastic measure, but if it's stealing your life, then right. you need to do something drastic. Now, I don't have that problem. I, I've got all the social media apps on there. I don't hear them calling my name. Why? Because I'm the boss of technology. I'm the boss of social media in my life. And if I don't want to be on Facebook, I'm not going to be on Facebook. But so many people, they say, well, I might miss something. FOMO. Okay, that's something right. you made up. That's, You're that's not right. missing anything. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, and that's exactly what a lot of it is. It is uh, it's the idea of like, just what you said. It's, it's fear of missing out. And uh, while I understand that, it's also something of uh, choosing to focus on a what if instead of a what is, yeah. because the, the fear is what if I miss something? Well, so what if you do? Well, what if it's something important? You have no idea what it could even possibly be. You're giving up what is for a possibility of what if, and that's not worth it. Again, our, you, know, you're, you don't want to live your life that way. At least most people don't want to live their life in the shadow of a what if, and, and in doing so, miss out on what they could be doing with that time. Uh, because I think I think what you described is exactly what the problem is. And again, uh, it's a situation where we have to be willing to take responsibility for our own choices. That's another uh, part that I wrote about in my book is that we have to be willing to take responsibility for who we are and where we are and what we accomplish. Like, are there certain things that can help you? Absolutely. 
right? The statistics don't lie either. Like if you grew up in a home where your parents weren't divorced, you have a better chance at having a higher paying job and a higher level of education. That doesn't mean you can't overcome those things. My parents split up when I was in middle school. I was still able to get a good education. I'm really very thankful for that. The, you know what I mean? So there are certain things that can help you, but the bottom line is you also can overcome those things. One of, another, there's another book recommendation. Another one of my absolute favorite books um, is Up From Slavery. I actually uh, recommended that book to a student recently for a project she was doing in my class because it's one of the most inspirational books that I've ever read. Like you want to talk about overcoming, it doesn't get any more overcoming than up from slavery. Um, you know, like in the 21st century, nobody faces the same kind of challenges as what people faced in the 19th century. Mm. Nobody does. So we have to take responsibility for where we are. Now, does that mean that everything that's ever happened to you is your fault? No, it doesn't. But what is your fault or your responsibility is how you respond to those setbacks. And, and that's what's really powerful is when people take responsibility, then they can move forward. There's a, um, uh, a book about this I haven't read, but I've heard recommended. And so I, you know, I'd encourage people to at least check it out. Uh, it's called Extreme Ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't remember the author's name. I can see his face right now because I remember listening to a podcast with him on there. But that's, that's kind of the core of the book is Extreme Ownership. It's like you need to take ownership of everything in your world because when you do, you are no longer the victim. You can, you can deal with whatever it is and you can move forward. As long as you are allowing yourself to play the victim card, you're not willing to move forward because you're comfortable where you are, blaming everything on everybody else. Life's not fair, whatever. Well, you're right. Life's not fair. And I'm really sorry for that. But if life were fair, I wouldn't be five foot three inches tall. <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm, mean, really? I am, I am, well, I'm five foot three and a half. Yeah. Oh, okay. You can't tell because we're on the <laughs> podcast and I'm sitting down. Okay. Um, I, <laughs> okay. I teach high school kids who stare me in the eye when they're sitting in a desk. Okay. Like it's it's not fun to be a 37-year-old man trapped in the body of a middle schooler. <laughs> okay. It's just, you know what I mean? It's not that every short joke you can imagine, I've heard it, I promise. And it's not really fun for semi-literate, tall, swooshy-haired, snarky 14-year-olds to come in my class and look at me and go, <laughs> because they think that their head being farther from the floor makes them a better person. Uh, well, you, you know, know it, it's a it very, like the Napoleon complex. It's a real thing. I'm just telling you. Yeah. But at the same, like, and that's a goofy example. It really is. Like there are way harder things in life than to be short. Absolutely. But at the same time, whatever the issue is, are you going to use that as a crutch or are you going to use that as an opportunity? Is it an obstacle or is it an opportunity for growth and for overcoming? That's the, that's really kind of the mindset that we need to be asking ourselves about. I love it. Well, that's a good place to stop the podcast is responsibility. I love what Gary Vanichuk says, although I don't listen to a lot of the stuff because I don't like his Jersey potty mouth, but the guy's brilliant. <laughs> um, he talks about when you as an entrepreneur, small business owner, whatever you say, it's always my fault. Right. Now you are in control. If you blame the government, you blame the traffic, you blame the client who canceled on you, you blame your students. Now you've lost control. But if you say it's my fault, like I spent thousand dollars on coaches, courses and seminars, then I got no return investment. They were crap courses. But you know what? It's my fault. I paid the money for them. And once right. I you get freedom when you take responsibility, you get the freedom. So I think that's a good spot for us to end because People need to understand that you need to take responsibility for your technology, for your social media, for your life, for the choice you make. Take responsibility. Now you get freedom. So thank you for bringing it up. Um, Where can we find out more about you online, sir? Uh, Thank you for asking. You can find me at uh, reallifeleading.com. Uh, you can also find, I've got a new website in the works right now. It's, it's my name. It's joelwhallbaker.com. 
You can also find me at stepdadding.com. I do a lot of work with blended families as well. Um, you can find me on social media on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. It's all Joel W. Hallbaker. And uh, there's, you know, there's contact Joel forms and whatever. I'd love to answer any questions uh, or, or hear any comments that any of your listeners may have. Thank you for asking. Um, and you can, uh, yeah, you can find me all those places. I'd love to talk with people. And, you know, listeners, you can tell that we had a very energetic podcast. We, I don't prepare. I don't know if the listener knows this. I don't prepare for these episodes. It's one of the rules I break on a regular basis, but I like it because had I scripted this, this interview with Joel out, well, we wouldn't have wound up where he did. And we did talk about technology education in our world. And I love the conversation we had because I think it's a necessary one, but we could have talked about leadership. We could have talked about you being a soccer coach. We could have talked about a hundred other things, but I think this topic for this day and age, December 5th, 2019 was an important topic. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us on the show today. You are a rock star, my friend. Thank you very much. I had a great time. And uh, like I said, I look forward to hearing from some of your listeners after this comes out. Thank you for having me on. And just before we go, don't forget to head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com. Remember, Mr. is all spelled out. At mrproductivity.com, you can sign up for my free seven-day productivity challenge. You can find out about my courses and my coaching, and you can either send me a message by clicking on the contact tab or send me a DM. The links to all my social media platforms are at the bottom of my page. I would really and truly love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stucheski podcast. Hey, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe and tell at least three people about the show. That would mean the world to me because when you tell people you are endorsing the podcast, and I know if you're still listening now, you really enjoy the podcast. So please share the love. I would really appreciate it. Reach out to me. And before I let you go, I want to give you this one big reminder. Whatever you do, remember your productivity is up to you. I'm here to equip you with how to be more productive, but ultimately your productivity is up to you. So take responsibility for that. And until we meet again, my friend, go be productive.